the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Judges, we move west and see the beginning of the story of Samson. We'll pick it up in Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Once again, that's Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Well, now we come to chapter 13, and we're going to actually go back in time a little bit here. For it says in verse 1, chapter 13, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now, when it says Israel did evil again, it just means they added to the evil that they had already done. This is not a new evil after Jephthah's death. This is simply referencing Judges chapter 10, verses 6 and 7, which summed up that the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines on the west side and the hands of the Ammonites on the east side. The west side was Philistines, so it was the you know, west side story there. So that's what we're doing right now. So we already covered the eastern judgment, the Ammonites, and how God delivered Israel from that. Now we're going to get into how God will deliver Israel from the western judgment through the Philistines. And it mentions here that they were delivered into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. That is the longest period of bondage ever in all of the book of Judges. This is the worst judgment that God has wrought upon the nation of Israel, the longest one. Now, since this judgment does last longer than the Ammonites, it actually continues for 16 years after Jephthah's death, which is why it's listed second, why we get the Ammonites' destruction first. Now, Just as God's soul grieved for the misery of Israel because of the Ammonites in verse 16 of chapter 10 of Judges, and they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel, just as God's heart was grieved for the misery of Israel and he raised up Jephthah to deal with the Ammonites, God now raises up someone to deal with the Philistines. However, as we're going back in time here before Jephthah here, the problem is that someone, unlike Jephthah, this someone is not even born yet. And so we're going to actually meet his parents before we meet him. It's verse 2. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. Now, Zorah is a city in the tribe of Dan. It's about 13 miles west of Jerusalem. It's near the border of the tribe of Judah. And The Danites, remember Dan had a very rough time with the Philistines at the start when Joshua gave them their land. 
They were constantly being pushed up into the hills and out of that coastal valley down there by the Mediterranean Sea all throughout the early years of Israel's conquest of the Promised Land. Many, in fact, in the tribe of Dan had left the possession that God gave to them there, and they went searching for better lands up north. And so when you see the tribe of Dan on maps, most of them are up north. So these are guys who, this is a family who stuck it out, and their descendants are now living under the oppression of the Philistines. Now, Judges 3.31 shows us that God raised up the judge Shamgar to push the Philistines back. But because of Israel's sin and rebellion against God, things are bad right now over there on this side. The Philistines are winning everything, and Israel's absolutely miserable right now. So if you are Danite right now, life is hard. And it's into this situation where life is already hard that God speaks to an interesting couple about his plans to rescue Israel. Why was life interesting for them? Well, not only was life hard because of the Philistines, but it mentions that his wife was barren and she had had no children. Now, since Israelites considered children a gift from God, They viewed barrenness as a mark of divine disfavor, like you were cursed by God. So added to all the misery around them because of the Philistines that the entire tribe's going through, there was personal pain. There would be no one to pass their inheritance on to, even if they could keep it from the Philistines. So in their mind, according to everyone, it wasn't just the Philistines that was against them. Even God was against them. Maybe you're in a situation like that right now. Maybe you're thinking, God, I was already in a a crisis. I didn't need to lose hours at work. How am I supposed to move forward with all this craziness going on added to my plate? Do you care about me? You need to know. (laughs) Know that you know that you know. The Lord loves you. And he wants to speak truth and hope to you, just like he does to this hurting couple here. Verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, you are barren, and bear not, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray you, and drink not wine nor strong drink. Wine would be a fruit-based fermented beverage. Strong drink is grain-based fermented beverage. So I pray you, beware, I pray you, don't drink wine nor strong drink, and do not eat any unclean thing. For lo, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So we don't know the situation, but it just mentions that the angel of the Lord appears to this woman. We don't know where she was. We do know her husband's not with her, and she's not at home. So wherever she is out and about, the angel of the Lord just appears to her. Now this Phrase is often used to refer to a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, but it is likely just an angel here based on his behavior with them. It could be the Lord, but I personally think it's probably just an angel. Now he says to her, behold, which means check this out. Please listen. This is important. And it is important. He's got a message from the Lord for her. And God's word has been my biggest refuge during my own personal crisis. 
It always has answers for me, even if they aren't the answers I want to hear at that moment. You know, sometimes I drag myself outside in the front porch where I have my devotion time out there, and I drag myself out there and make myself start reading his word. Because even if it's not, the word isn't, I'm going to heal you right now and take away all your pain and take away all your problems. I know that he's got something for me. He always has something for me. If you're in a personal crisis right now, don't run away from God. Run toward him. Take a different path than Jephthah did. Jephthah decided to take everything in his own hands. He said, forget the Lord. All this has happened to me. You're doing all this to me. And so I'm going to take care of me. That is the path that leads to pain. This is the path that leads to truth and hope, even in the midst of pain, and enables you to overcome and to look forward. We sang that song, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Good song. It's a good song. David said, I would have perished if I did not believe. I would have given up. I'd have thrown in the towel if I didn't believe to see God's goodness in the land of the living. Don't try to take matters in your own hands. Run to the Lord. He will speak to you. Now, he says, Behold, now you that are barren and bear not, you shall conceive and bear a son. This wasn't just for her own benefit. He will be for Israel's benefit. And therefore, they have the all-important task of raising him uniquely so that he can be the leader that Israel will need. And so in verse 4, he explains that calling that's upon this kid's life. Now, therefore, beware, which means be careful, pay close attention, I pray you, and drink not wine nor strong drink nor eat any unclean thing. Now, Israelis were not banned from drinking alcohol ever, but they were banned from eating unclean animals. So the fact that the angel had to mention this in addition to everything else he's going to say shows how far Israel had fallen during this period that they were eating unclean animals. It's funny, if you go to Israel, they do have some hogs that are in the wild, but given the fact that they are unclean animals to Israelites, to Jewish people, and also to Muslims, who are the primary large populations there, basically you can find a dead pig on the road from time to time and they don't, nobody touches them because they don't hurt them, nobody uses them. Everyone's allowed to kill it if they see one and then they just leave it there because it's unclean and no one wants to pollute themselves. So, It's sad because this is a different Israel we're studying right here than even the one that lives today. They had these animals around and they were eating them and interacting with them. So he reminds her, he says, none of that. Why? For lo, you shall conceive and bear a son and he'll be unique. For no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. The word Nazarite, it means a consecrated one, a devoted one. The normal Nazarite vow is found in Numbers 6, verses 1 through 12, so I'm not going to read through all that. But the idea behind the Nazarite vow is a man or a woman would take this vow when they wanted to dedicate a period of time of their choosing. It wasn't like it had to be three months or six months. It was a time of their choosing to be set apart for the Lord. They would say, God, I'm giving you the next two weeks, or God, I'm giving you the next three months, or God, I'm giving you the next six months or the next year. This could be for the purpose of serving God. Maybe you'd help out in the tabernacle or the temple later on. You could be for the purpose of serving the people around you or just a purpose of getting away with the Lord to seek him. But the point was, is you were dedicating a period of time 
to do that thing, that that would be your main focus. And when you made that commitment, you made this vow to the Lord, it would come with three prohibitions. Number one, you had a stricter diet. You could have no alcohol, nor could you eat any grapes. Number two, you could not cut your hair. You had to just let it grow. And then number three, you could have no contact with a dead body, even family. This was a time that was 100% dedicated to God. It cost you something. It cost you something on what you could partake of. It cost you your physical appearance, and it cost you in your physical proximity to those you loved if someone happened to pass away. So it was something people didn't just do randomly. It's interesting when we see in the New Testament where Paul talks about he had to stay somewhere because he had shorn his head, shaved his head because he had a vow. At the end of the vow, that's what you would do. You would cut off all your hair and you would present the hair to the Lord as a symbol of the offering of however long that was, the last two weeks or three months that you served him. And that you were saying, God, that was all because I love you. This child's vow would start at birth and last until his death. His entire existence would be consecrated, dedicated to one thing. And that's right here. For he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now you say, why begin? The word there, begin, means to launch the rescue process. He will launch the rescue process. In other words, he will not finish it, someone else will, but he will launch the rescue process. So his entire life would be dedicated to this from birth till death. Now, not only is she going to get a son, but this boy would lead them and the rest of their nation to the beginnings of their freedoms from the Philistine clutches. Talk about some great news for her. Now, here's the truth, guys. She had no clue that her day was going to be like this. When she woke up that morning, it looked like every morning that came before. Pain, hardship, disappointment, struggle, I'm cursed by God. It was like every other morning. She had no clue this was going to happen. That is why you and I must never, ever lose hope. We must always choose the path of trusting Jesus. Yes, The waves might be smashing against your boat right now. And yes, the boat may be filling with water. But all it takes is one word from Jesus to calm the storm or to bring the boat to shore. And while he's not doing that, he's right there in the boat with you, even if it looks like he's sleeping. We are never, ever alone. Now, as you can imagine, this was great news. So she goes to tell her husband at home, verse 6. And the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not where he was from, neither did he tell me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now she comes home and she explains. She goes, The craziest thing happened. I met this guy, and you know what? He if I didn't know any better, I'd think he was an angel. This man, I, I, he looked like an angel. He, he was terrible. The word there means awesome in the idea of wow, but also a little fearful, a little dreadful. So something was different about this prophet that came to her, you know? And so she explains to him, she goes, you know, he told me all these things, but then she mentioned, she goes, I didn't get his name. Now, why would that be important that she didn't get his name? 
Well, confirming messages like this was a big deal to Israelites, even when they were far from God. When God called Moses to deliver Israel, what was his first question? His first question was, who are you? Whom shall I say has sent me to my people? What shall I tell them your name is? And that's where we get the famous phrase, tell them I am that I am, Jehovah. I am that I am has sent you. The becoming one, he who becomes to his people what his people need him to be. I am the Lord God, the one who spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that same God. So Moses knew that even when the people were far from God. So it's only natural that her husband would want to somehow confirm this prophetic claim. Let's look him up. Is he a good one or is he a bad one? Oh, he's got three-star rating. Let's, I don't know about this, honey. You know, The YouTube reviews are not good. So she doesn't know where the prophet's from or even his name. So what are they going to do with this? I mean, it could be anybody. Remember when Jehoshaphat, the king, he went to go visit King Ahab, and they were going to go fight against Israel's mutual enemies with Judah. And Ahab calls in all the prophets of Baal, and they start doing their thing. One guy pretends he's got horns, and he's like, like a bull, you're going to gore your enemies, whatever. And the king of Ahab's going, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And King Jehoshaphat looks at me and goes, is there a prophet of the Lord here? Do you have anybody that was a prophet of the Lord? And Ahab, of course, goes, yeah, we have one. But everything he says to me is bad. I don't like him. He never has anything good to say to me. So what are they going to do? How do they know if this guy's good or not? Well, verse 8. Then Manoah entreated the Lord, and he said, O my Lord, let the man of God which you did send come again to us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. You know, it's interesting. He could have ignored the situation. He could have just said, whatever, honey, I, 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 you know. He could have just said, well, if it happens, happens. He could have gotten angry like Jephthah. One more headache in my troubled life. But he didn't. He prayed. And asked you, is that your reaction when you don't know what to do with something God says? Do you seek him out? Well, what's even more awesome is what Manoah prays. He said, Lord, teach us. Show us what to do. The word there means to instruct or to give guidance. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Will, wasn't the instruction pretty clear? He's a Nazarite. And the instructions were clear, but they wanted to get this right. And they wanted confirmation that this was indeed the Lord. How different a choice from what Jephthah made. Jephthah made everything about him, what he'd done, how he was being wrong, how he deserved better. In contrast, Manoah takes what's been placed onto his lap and he returns it to the Lord. And when you do that, God will answer, just like he did for Manoah. Verse 9, And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. You know, there are prayers that God won't hear. God doesn't hear on biblical prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear my prayers. First Peter 3, 7 mentions, If you're not being understanding with your wife, then your prayers will be hindered. So there are prayers that God won't hear. But this is a very humble prayer. God will always give grace to the humble. If you want to have confidence in prayer, there are some factors as it regards our attitude in prayer. Number one, humility. That's an attitude we all need to have in prayer. Number two, we need to trust the Lord. We need to look to Him for the answers. I found so much more peace in just 
trusting the Lord, saying, you're my God. You love me enough you died for me. Surely you can help me figure out if I should take this course of action or not. Surely you can speak to me and my wife about what to do as we are seeking your face. So trust. Thirdly, if you want to have confidence in prayer, you need to align your request with what God's revealed as his will and his word. We know that we have the things that we request of him if we pray in his name, in his will. But praying in his name also means aligning our prayers with Jesus' character. So praying, what is God like? I imagine if Jephthah said, Lord, what are you like? What are you like, Lord? I pray you give me strength to start a civil war with my brothers, the Ephraimites. I imagine he probably would have went, huh, you're not like that, God. <laughs> Maybe that's not your will here. Maybe I shouldn't be praying that. Maybe I should be praying about something else. Well, God hearkened unto the voice of Manoah, verse 9, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. Again, I don't know why she's out there, why she's sitting, but she's there. But Manoah, her husband, is not with her. So the woman, she sees him coming, and she made haste and ran and showed, reported it to her husband, and said unto him, Behold, the man has appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And so we see here it says that Manoah arose and went after his wife, and came to the man and said unto him, Are you the man that spoke unto the woman? And he said, I am. So verse 12, Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. I love that. His first thing to the prophet is the same exact thing that Mary said to Gabriel when she told him she was going to give birth to the Messiah. I'm okay with whatever you want, God. So before they do anything, they just say, Now let your words come to pass. Or whatever you say, I will do it. There are many times you read in your Bible, or maybe you hear a teaching from me or someone else, and you hear it and you go, I really don't want to do that. It is crucial to start off your time with the Lord. You know, your time when you come to church or you're listening online, and before you even get there to say, God, whatever you say, I'm committing right now to do it, whatever it is. I can tell you that is almost always the hardest prayer for me to pray because seven out of 10 times, I'm already expecting what God's going to tell me I need to do. (laughs) And I've been fighting him on. I've been stubborn about. But it's a lot easier in that moment when you make that request or make that commitment ahead of time than when the Lord begins to instruct you to follow his instructions. And so they say, we want whatever you want, God. That's the best answer to start off with the Lord. Now let your words come to pass. And then he asks the question, how shall we order the child? The word there means what shall our plan be? Since his child is clearly special, how should we do this? What's the plan? And how shall we do unto him? What will his work be? So in other words, what's the plan for us? And then what is your plan for him so we can help prepare him for that? And so the angel already answered both of those questions at the first meeting with his wife but he repeats it here for Manoah's benefit. Verse 13, And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that comes of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray you, let us detain you until we have made ready a kid for you. So he gets the same instructions that she heard before. There's no difference there. But it would be impolite in that culture to not offer this man, if he's a prophet, hospitality. So Manoah insists that he share a meal with them. 
The word here for detain, I pray you, let us detain you. It means let us keep you from going where you were planning to go and come and have a meal at our home. And so the angel said unto him, Manoah, verse 16, though you detain me, I'm okay being stopped on where I'm headed, but I'm not going to eat your food. The word there, bread, is just a generic word for food. I'm not going to eat your food. And then he pauses. We aren't told why he says he's not going to eat their food, but it seems to be a hint from the angel that he's not a local prophet. He says, okay, I'll, I'll let you stop me, but I'm not coming over for dinner. And then he pauses. There's a semicolon there. And so the idea is they're supposed to go, what does that mean? <laughs> and I kind of think Manoah is kind of the duller one here. She's a little bit more adept to figuring out the situation because she's already said he kind of looked like an angel. And I was kind of afraid when I saw him. He was pretty awesome. And he's just going to come on over for a meal. And so he pauses to wait, give him a time to think about what he's saying. But since it doesn't sink in, he gives him another clue. He says next, he goes, but if you offer a burnt offering, well, then you have to offer it unto the Lord. And then it tells us, for Manoah did not realize, didn't know that he was an angel of the Lord. I'm not one of those prophets. In fact, I'm not a prophet at all. But I will stick around. I will stick around if you'll worship the Lord. So he steers them in that direction. And at this point, Manoah starts to think, who is this guy? This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.